Wolf Pack, what's going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Roto Street, RotoStreetJournal.com. We read and feed you fantasy wolves. Thrilled to now host for the third time fantasy pros Pat Fitzmorris. He's truly one of the most accurate analysts in the game. In fact, he was 2020's number one ranked expert in fantasy pros accuracy competition. He also ranks third in the multi year accuracy from 2019 to 2021. So, understandably, one of my favorite brains to pick every season beyond just being accurate. One of the best guys in the space. So nice and just amazing to talk to. The managing editor over at Fantasy Pros hosts the phenomenal Fits on Fantasy podcast as well. Pat, thank you so much for joining again. It's always one of the highlights of my summer. How you doing, my man? Oh, Wolf, I'm doing great. This has become like a right of late summer for us, right? right? I mean, we do this now like pretty much every year, and it's always great to chop it up with you. Uh, you know, always look forward to this. Awesome. Well, thanks again. We really appreciate you joining for sure. I know our audience always looks forward to this show. We, as soon as I, I only posted like 20 minutes ago, I got a million messages already. Oh, Pat's coming back on. Yes, let's go. Uh, so we're thrilled. We're always pumped to have you here. And we're going to be talking about 2022 fantasy football sleepers at kind of, you know, quote unquote term. That's a little overused. Some people might say, but the late round guys that are going way cheaper than their fantasy upside might rec, uh, might represent. So we're going to dive into some guys going around pick 100 and beyond and then go really deep after pick 150. Some of those deeper, deeper guys that people might not be drafting at all that should be on Raiders. Uh, and so we'll just per first preface too. We're going to be going on Fantasy Pros, ECR, and ADP. That can be a bit different depending on where you play. If you play on Yahoo, you play on ESPN, if you're doing these underdog drafts, Things can be different, so we do always recommend you check your site, see where guys are going relative to where you're going to be drafting. Uh, but this is a great, like, Fantasy Pros is, again, one of the most common used. If someone's printing out a cheat sheet, if somebody's coming to your draft, it's very, very common. So I think it's a great way to kind of get a general overarching of where people are going. So we'll be going off that as well. Uh, Pat, any other premises, or should we just dive right into these players? <laughs> oh, let's do it, man. Let's dump, Let's jump into the deep end, buddy. Uh, let's go, indeed. And as we do, folks, if you enjoy the show, please do consider hitting that thumbs up as we go. Like, shares, retweets, all that great stuff does help us grow so much. It's so greatly appreciated. So before we go, we're going to go position by position as kind of previewed at the top. But I do always love starting this way with you. Who is your single favorite guy, your favorite single sleeper at any position that you cannot leave your draft without that? Oh, man, this is probably my most drafted guy. It's Jahan Dotson of uh, Washington. Yeah, like I'm just, I'm a Big Ten guy. I'm up here in the Midwest. So watch a lot of Big Ten football every fall. And, um, you know, I just kind of fell in love with Dotson. Part of part of it being because he uh, did a number on my Wisconsin Badgers last year. <laughs> um, but, man, like I... This guy is like, he has got big time speed and he plays to it. Terrific mm -hmm. hands. Um, and he's got that thing with like Tyreek Hill, where he is like surprisingly feisty and balls in the air for a smaller receiver. Like yeah. this dude is tough at the catch point. Like he is just a, a competitor. And I was so happy when he went like, you know, mid first round and it just kind of validated everything I thought. Like they were mm -hmm. talking about him as a guy who maybe wasn't going to be in the first round but no he went you know well inside uh that round one round two cut line so plus he has been in preseason further validating it he's been running exclusively with the the ones mm -hmm. and uh you know running a lot of routes he's going to be on the field with terry mclaurin and two wide receiver sets basically isn't going to come off the field and uh I really like this dude. I think he's going to have not much of a transition from college to the NFL. I think he's NFL ready. 
I'm pretty excited about him, and he's going pretty cheap. He he is not someone people are really excited about, and I think they should be. 100%. He's a guy that is definitely on my list to a guy I've been landing a ton of throughout this entire offseason. Because like you, I I just when watching him play in football, you know college. One of those guys is just a football player. Like it goes up and gets everything. He, he might not have the flashiest athletic profile uh, or any of that stuff, but man, I, he is just so much stake to the sizzle, so much production. You know, shouldering a thirty-three percent college target share, ninety-fifth percentile in that sense, and he's used to bad quarterback play. So I know the whole argument. Oh, well, he's playing with Wentz. He can't be that good, right? But that's I think even Rivera mentioned. Like one of the reasons we love this guy is how good he was, regardless of who was throwing him the rock. Kind of alluding to the fact. He's going to get it done with nobody. It doesn't really matter who it is. He, this kid can get it done. 100% there with you. I absolutely love the kid. Playing all the preseason snaps so far, too, with the starters, with the ones. They're, they're not playing any games. They're locking this guy in as a starter, and he's absolutely talented enough. I mean, he's a reason. I don't know if I'm psycho to fade. I'm not necessarily fading Terry McLaurin, but at their price tags, I have landed way more Jahan Dotson because I don't think the stats are going to be all that difference between the two. Yeah, I, I prefer McLaurin in a vacuum, of course. But when he's going round four and Dotson's going like round 13, I'm hitting Dotson every single time, whereas Terry's just sprinkling in here or there. Uh, am I nuts? How do you view that? No, I, I know what you mean. And uh, like, I do like Terry McLaurin. I think he's a really good player, but he's a guy I, I don't really get more than my share of in drafts. You know, I've, I've got him in a few drafts, but not too many. And if I miss on him, like I definitely want Dotson later on. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, another receiver going a little later than Dotson, but the sleeper. So my number one, the guy I can't leave without is also a receiver and it's Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, he's going right now in fancy pros ADP right around 200. So maybe even undrafted in a lot of leagues. I know an underdog and thinks he goes around 150. So he is getting drafted in some best ball stuff, but man, if you're having a home draft, he might not even be off the board, but I love this kid. It's very clear all training camp that he has been running ahead of J Jamison Crowder. And then to have that verified in the latest preseason action, he played all the first team snaps when Josh Allen was in. There was even a rumbling after the game that if something happened to one of the top two guys, he'd probably push outside and, and still have that clear cut number one role with the team. And as a Pats fan, I saw very firsthand what this guy can do, unfortunately, against us last year. 11 catches, 125 and one TD. It seems every time he's been used, the only other start he's gotten with Josh Allen Six for 65 and two scores. He's had 29 or more fancy points in both of his starts. So I really like the kid. Anytime he's been used, he seems to play well. All the training camp reports are just glowing on the guy. Cole Beasley had 108 targets and 77 receptions on average across his three years in Buffalo. So you give me someone that's probably going to see 100 targets from Josh Allen towards the last round, I'm hammering it. I can't leave my drafts without it. Am I nuts or, or what are your thoughts on McKenzie? No, I'm I'm with you, Wolf. Um, like I think a lot of people, and you mentioned the home league drafts, and man, like in the next ten days, this is this is home league draft season. It feels like the vast majority of them are going to be going down in the next week, week plus. So um, I think a lot of the the people who are just sort of reorient uh, reorienting themselves to fantasy football are going to think that this is Jamison Crowder's gig, but it's really not. Yeah. Um, and and we saw Mackenzie pop whenever Beasley was out last year so um he's he's put up some big games um and I, like i do worry a little bit because i really like khalil shakir their mm. uh the fifth round pick a, a guy probably could have gone as early as day two but i i guess apparently they're also playing shakir outside some because they don't really have a great outside receiver to back up uh digs and um gabe davis so yeah man i i think 
McKenzie is going to be on the field a lot this year, and uh, he's exciting, man. Like, he's yeah. really – he's got some sizzle with the ball in his hands. Absolutely, yeah. Shakir, very intriguing, too, especially dynasty-wise. I really like him. He's shown very, very well this preseason so far, too. So definitely a name to highlight on there. Definitely a dynasty. And even Redraft could potentially come into his own because he's looked fantastic as well. Uh, it seems like McKenzie might be the number one there. But, yeah, if an injury happens – nobody's going to put up, you know, Diggs or Davis's number, but still it's Josh Allen. It's this offense. Like they'll be good stats. So it's one of those rare situations that a wide receiver handcuff is actually very viable. So yeah, I like that name as well to toss out Khalil Shakir. We'll now move in. So as I mentioned, we're going to go court, uh, position by position. We'll start with the QB. So for each position, we'll go, you know, in that 100 to 150 range. So everybody's going to be on average going after pick 100. And then we'll go into the weeds and go real deep after 150, who are some guys that might not even be getting drafted that could come into some real fantasy value here. I will start a quarterback. Who's your favorite in that 100 to 150 range, Pat? So the single favorite is probably Derek Carr. He doesn't go too deep in that, uh, too deep after pick 100. But if you're maybe the last guy to get a quarterback in your 12-team league and he's still sitting there, I like him a lot. I mean, it, it seems like it's just such a good situation for him this year, and he's never really had a problem putting up yardage. It's the touchdown yeah. totals that have been kind of lagging behind consistently under 30. Um, I think he has a good chance to eclipse that this yeah. year. Reunited with Devontae Adams, who, uh, you know, if you haven't seen the stat page for Devontae Adams in uh, college at Fresno State and what he did with Carr there, like – Check that out because your eyes will bug out of your head when you see that. So they've got some, uh, they're going to have some chemistry together. Plus, Darren Waller hopefully can stay healthy this year. And Hunter Renfro really proved himself to be a, uh, you know, pretty good secondary third option last year uh, when he was kind of forced into a bigger role. So a lot of weapons for him. I almost kind of like that the Raiders offensive line stinks. Because, uh, you know, I don't know how effectively they're going to be able to run the ball. I, I think they're going to have to kind of pass their way um, down the field. And, uh, man, they're just in this division where it seems like every game is going to be a shootout with yeah. Denver and the Chargers and the Chiefs. Like, game script is, uh, you know, okay corral pretty much anytime there's an AFC West divisional yes. showdown. So um, a lot to like here. I think, you know, Carr has sort of established this steady baseline but I think he can sort of bump up the baseline this year. I love that call. And they're to speak of those shootouts of that division, they probably have the worst defense too. So you know they're going to always be chasing the points. I love. I just looked up the stats because I knew they were gaudy, but I didn't realize it was 1,700 or 1,719 yards and 24 touchdowns on 131 catches. We know that's not going to happen at the professional level, but man, like he could still put up some damn good numbers. That is. I knew it was good. That is a uh, breathtaking stats right there. In that, in that 100 to 150 range, right around where Carr's going, I actually kind of view it as like Carr's one of the last QB ones I'll accept. I love him as that like later round guy that at the top 12 typically go around eight or nine, and then he'll fall to round 10 often. There's one other guy going in that range that I really love that I have a tough time deciding if I have to between the two, and that's Kirk Cousins, who has a, a pretty similar script to what you're saying in terms of Great weaponry, a new scheme coming in that we know is going to be a bit pass happier. Everybody there is raving about it, especially Justin Jefferson, how much he's moving around, the layup targets, all that good stuff, and a bad defense that's going to probably be chasing a lot of points throughout games. We've seen Cousins put up nearly 5K yards with far less weaponry over with Washington. I, I think he could go completely nuts as well. So I have a tough time choosing between the two. In fact, if I 
haven't gotten a quarterback yet and both those guys are there and I'm at like the turn, I like taking them both because I really think they're both going to have some very solid numbers this year. Uh, and that's kind of the cutoff for me too. Like Carr, Cousins, you can lump Rodgers in that tier too. And then it gets a little dicey. I don't really want a QB1 after that, even though we have a couple more guys we'll discuss here. Do you like Cousins at all though? I kind of do. I mean, like the eye test to me, Carr is the much better quarterback. Like mm. I've just seen Cousins come up short in big games too many times. I know that doesn't really matter to fantasy yeah. <laughs> players that much. Throwing short of the sticks on third and ten. Um, like So I, I think Cousins is a better fantasy quarterback than real life. You For can't sure. really argue with the fantasy numbers he's put up. But one thing, like another thing that kind of sways me against Cousins a little bit, real tough matchup out of the shoot with the Packers. At home, like I, I know, um, you know, the Packers defense hasn't been thought of as a, a juggernaut in recent years, but man, it's really good this year. Like the, that secondary they have with, um, you know, Jair Alexander and um, uh, Razul Douglas, yeah. uh, two of the best safeties in the league, uh, Eric Stokes and uh, Rashad, Rashawn Gary um spearheading what's looking like a, a pretty good pass rush now like that defense i think is going to be one of the top five defenses in the league mm. uh not just my green bay packer bias talking but i do <laughs> think it's i do think it's a tough matchup for cousins right out of the gate so yeah i mean i'm i'm okay with cousins in a, a deeper league it's like my you know a 14 or 16 teamer i take him as my starter but um you know I just don't like him quite as much as Carr. Yeah, I get that too. And, and you get the, the shootout starting with Carr with the uh, the Chiefs, I believe, in week one, yes, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So some fireworks right out the gate there. I love it. Well, after those guys are gone, whether you whichever one you go with, I, I, I do think the Carr is definitely the safer. And certainly if those touchdowns come in, man, the ceiling could be crazy. But after those guys are gone, whether you're looking for a QB2 or maybe you punted the position and now you're scrambling for your number one guy, do you have somebody else in that range that you kind of like? Yeah, so uh, kind of like, that's a, a good disclaimer. Like, I'm not all in on this guy, but uh, Daniel Jones, just because I'm intrigued by, we, we know what a cheat code running quarterbacks can be. And uh, Jones is one of those few guys go, routinely going after the top 20 quarterbacks who can really run around a lot. Um, you know, I, I think his job is pretty secure right now. We'll see, like, if, if maybe uh, if, if he turns into a turnover machine again, which yeah. he's kind of been throughout his career, maybe they think about uh, putting Terod Taylor in there. But I, I'm holding out hope that Brian Dable can sort of yeah. unlock Daniel Jones. Like, as soon as Dable came in right away, he was asking Jones what sort of plays he was comfortable running. Like, think back to your high school days, your college days. What did you feel most confident with coming out of the huddle when you were running this or that? And, um, yeah, like, they've improved their offensive line a little bit. I wouldn't say their receiver core is great, but they've got some intriguing weapons with Kadarius Toney and Kenny Galladay mm. and Wandale Robinson. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just, like, kind of banking on the rushing, providing sort of a baseline for Jones. And maybe he can kind of finally figure it out with probably the best play caller he's had since coming into the NFL. Yeah, it's a really intriguing case. And, and in fact... I, I don't like Daniel Jones at all as a player, but when I did my projections, just because of the rushing upside, like I, I finished him up. And that's why I love doing projections because it kind of forces your biases out and, and you just have to look at it. He still came out like right at my top 20 QBs because of the rush. And I said, what is this? I would have no, I would never have thought Daniel Jones would have been in there. So I think I had him at like 27 in my rankings. I had to bump him up when looking at the stats. Uh, and just in general, there's a great podcast uh, JJ Zacharyson does um, the late, I mean, everybody listening to this probably already has heard of the late round podcast, 
but he has a great episode he does every year on team level regression. And he talked about how the Giants, like even just by history, no, no improvements needed. They should average near 14 more touchdowns this year because of what history has suggested as in terms of positive regression for the worst scoring teams. And now you mix in one of the better play callers. He seems like an offensive genius based on what he did in Buffalo. Uh, if there's any hope for Daniel Jones, and maybe he is just garbage and he gets benched and that's, you cut him, you know, that that's the, the, you know, whatever you get rid of him. But if there's any hope, it is Brian Dayball. I think he is a great play caller regression on his side Two two of the better tackle duos at this point, since they've invested in the position back to back years. I see it, uh, you know, in terms of a, just a dart throw late round guy. Um, I like him better in seasonal than best ball because I am a little worried he could get benched. So then you just have that like, hole on your roster but you know taking him in seasonal seeing how he does and cutting him if he sucks like I, I think that's a, a great plan I really do think in terms of safety like Matt Ryan you know he's going to start all year they're going to be pushing the pace for the Colts there um with Reich there I, I, they've been a little bit slower these last few years but can you really blame him when the, the game would have been on the line with Winston come through you know the the corpse of Philip Rivers and then Jacoby Brissett the last time they had a quarterback and, and Reich himself has kind of referenced Andrew Luck like was the it feels like we have a guy like that finally for the first time they were first in pace they were just bombing the league and yeah of course you have taylor you're going to center your offense around that uh, but i think that we see a bit more balance here he's got fine weapons if this alec pierce kid develops like i think he could so i really like him it's just like it's not sexy it's not exciting but if you've missed the position i think him and then also maybe pairing him with davis mills who had four 300 yard games and 12 starts last year on a very bad slow paced offense I like Pep Hamilton. I think he's a creative mind. We've seen him produce some good quarterback stats, and all the reviews on, on Mills and Camp so far have been raving. I think he was the best rookie quarterback outside of Mac Jones last year. Uh, so I really don't mind him. Nico Call, well, we'll talk about Nico Calls a little bit, but he seems to be taking a step. They've rebolstered the offensive line a bit. So as a guy that goes largely undrafted, I think Davis Mills could be an intriguing late quarterback stab. Any thoughts on either of those guys or anyone else you'd want to before we move on to another position? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you and Ryan. Uh, like, I haven't liked him much in Atlanta. Like, the, there's definitely a limited ceiling with his non-mobility. But, yes. um, you know, you referenced Philip Rivers being pretty dusty in his final year in Indianapolis. But he still finished just outside of QB1, right? right? He was like a high-end QB2, just sort of, um, you know, being efficient and making that offense go. And, and like, as with Matt Ryan, Rivers had no rushing upside whatsoever, <laughs> of course. But, like... He did enough through the air to make it happen. And, uh, you know, his wide receivers that year probably weren't any better than uh, what Ryan is going to be working with this year. So I like that a lot. And I'm kind of with you on Mills. I mean, they're going to just, why not let him go? Uh, they're they're going to have a decision to make next year. There's some really good QBs in the class of 2023. But uh, why not see, like, exactly where you stand with Davis Mills and, uh, you know, what you can count on him for in the future. So uh, I like it. We know, you know, he's probably going to be uh, chasing points, uh, trailing on the scoreboard for most of the year. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a good call because you can get him at the end of drafts. You know, even in deep drafts, he's going to be there late. Right. Absolutely. Well, that wraps up our quarterbacks. We'll be moving on to running backs. And again, Wolfpack, as we're out there, thumbs up does continue to help us grow, like, share, repeats. I see a bunch of your questions coming in. Love to see it. I'll hit every single one. After Pat signs off, just as a reminder, we always do it that way. And if you're on Twitter watching, I don't know why, but those questions don't pop up uh, on StreamYard. So just a reminder, if you are on Twitter asking questions, I can't see them. So come join us on YouTube if you have something on Twitter for me that you'd love answered after the show. All righty, well, let's move on to the running back position. And, you know, it's always tough to find those running back sleepers. It feels like the top guys are always going in those first few rounds. 
But there are some really intriguing names this year going after round 10 or so. And I love the first one. We were just talking about the Colts. I love this one on your list, Naeem Hines. What do you like about him, Pat? Yeah, uh, like part of it, Wolf, is the way I generally build. Like if I'm in a league where I have to start three wide receivers, I'm not getting caught short at wide receiver. I'm like pounding right. that position early in drafts. You know, maybe going hero running back with the guy in the first two rounds there, but probably waiting a while to get my second running back because I'm so busy attacking wide receivers. So it'll come a certain point in the draft where I'm looking for a guy who's just kind of like a high floor guy to, uh, you know, a guy I, I can throw in there in a, a PPR, half point PPR league, get my double digit points hopefully every week and, uh, you know, kind of just destroy people at the wide receiver position mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, maybe hopefully fight to a standoff at RB2. And uh, I think that's what you're going to get with Naheem Hines. I think he can go back to having the sort of season yeah. he had with Phillip Rivers two years ago where he had like seven or eight touchdowns and uh, right around 900 yards from scrimmage. RB15 um, in PPR leagues. <laughs> yeah, and that's it, man. Like in, in PPR leagues with Matt Ryan, a guy who will not hesitate to dump off when the pressure comes. Like that's the thing. Ryan just like whoever's open, he's throwing to that guy. That's always been the quarterback he is. Just like find the open guy regardless of who he is. Um, so I think that's going to suit Naheem Hines really well. Carson Wentz, not so much. Wentz is not a dump-off guy, and this is just such a better situation for him. Absolutely. I think that's a great point. And uh, Reich himself said, I'd consider drafting Naheem Hines. <laughs> we all saw that quote back in OTAs. And ever since then, everybody, every beat writer in camp, he's, you're seeing a bigger role. He's moving out to the slot. Uh, you know, Ryan targeted his backfield 25% of the time in 2021 compared to 9% for Wentz. Creative ways to get the ball in his hands. I love it. I think he's definitely going to have a big rebound. And I think people are more pricing him at what happened last year, whereas we should be looking at that season. He's third in running back receptions and targets that year. Maybe not quite at that level, given how breakout of JT's season was last year. But yeah, I, I really, really like Hines. I have nothing but good things to add on there. Uh, two of the guys I have highlighted, I can kind of lump together. Damian Pierce and Brian Robinson. I don't know how much longer, it's certainly Pierce at least, will be going outside of pick 100. Uh, but maybe Brian Robinson even creeps towards the top 100 now because they are two of the biggest preseason risers. Two very intriguing rookie talents that are just showing out right now, uh, both potentially starting for their respective teams. I think Pierce certainly has a better chance at starting right from the go. I mean, a fourth-round rookie not playing in preseason week two. That tells you all you need. I don't know if that's ever happened in the history of the preseason, but he has looked so great when we have seen his limited uh, glimpses, I think averaging over 9.8 yards per carry and just showing all the things that everybody kind of talked about in college. Why is he not getting more usage? Why is Florida not feeding this guy when he's fourth best in broken tackle rate and you know scoring a touchdown every 7.4 touches? Insanity how efficient he was. I've seen you know Kamara comps in the sense of just underutilized talent that goes to the pros and is finally utilized the right way. I wouldn't be shocked. The guy does have a three down skill set, you know, five, nine, 218 pound, like Maurice Jones, Drew type of bull. I, I love the kid. I think he's a great position to be a starter. So even if he does creep out of that after pick 100 range, you know, even if you have to get him in round eight or so, I'm into Damian Pierce and I like Brian Robinson. I think that one's a little uglier. I think, you know, even if he's starting, it's going to be a three headed nightmare. It's kind of the reason why everyone's down on, on Gibson. It's not like Brian Robinson's going to escape that. But what he did always have working for him was potentially the red zone role on a team that gave Gibson the six most red zone carries, uh, six most inside the 10 carries, seventh inside the five. So if that does go to Robinson, and it seems like everybody's suggesting it will, whether it's the coaches or the beat writers, even if he doesn't start, that's already a great role. But then if he's the starter, 
very intriguing talent. They were also hyped up his pass catching ability for whatever that's worth. He's not going to take, you know, McKissick off the field, but a few screens dialed up on the early downs to keep defensives honest. They're talking about how they love getting the big guy in space was what Rivera said. So a lot of intriguing skills uh, for a guy that's going after Gibson, but potentially starting over him according to the preseason. What are your thoughts on those two rookies? Yeah, um, man, I've had to do like a 180 on Pierce in the last two weeks because uh, I was always thinking like, you know, I, I really like this guy. And as you mentioned, he's really pro ready, like not only the running ability, but also like he can pass protect and, and catch passes mm-hmm. out of the backfield all pretty competently. But man, like I was worried about him sharing time with, you know, Mac and Burkhead right. and being on the Texans in a bad offense and just kind of like this is the time of year when you got to start thinking about like you can like a guy's talent, but is he going to score fantasy points for you? And when would you be able to start Damian Pierce if he had that kind of role? Uh, you know, would you be able to start him as a running back two or a flex in week one? And two weeks ago, I thought the answer was no. And, you know, when might he be able to prove himself and have that sort of role for your fantasy team. But now, uh, like when, as you mentioned, they're putting him on ice in preseason week two. Like, we've seen enough. You're good. You're our guy. And, uh, man, he just looks so fabulous in preseason week one. Um, I've I've had to to bump him up my board for sure. And and now, Mm -hmm. like, I think the answer is, would you feel good about flexing him in week one? And I'm I'm starting to think the answer is yes. So uh, with you there. And Brian Robinson, yeah, a tricky one here. Like, I think he can catch passes. I just don't think he will in year one because they've got Gibson and McKissick. And I'm still kind of in on Gibson just because here's this guy with basically Jonathan Taylor's size and speed and has scored double-digit touchdowns in his first two seasons and played with a cracked shin bone last year. Like, mm-hmm. this dude kind of has everything, and, and now everyone wants to fade him because they're sort of, you know, putting him on kickoffs and... Um, <laughs> yo-yoing him a little bit in the preseason uh depth chart. like it's a hard read for this situation but i'm not ready to think that robinson is going to have a big enough role where you can put him in the starting lineup mm-hmm. for your fantasy team in the first few weeks of the season I, i'm not quite there with him yet i really like the talent um i'm in on him for dynasty for sure um basically i'm, I'm i've got some other like rookies i'm kind of chasing you know i'd rather have rashad white i think in that spot uh you know if i'm looking for sort of a rookie running back four running back five well i have rashad white on my list of of potential sleepers so you know i'm with you there too i'm kind of looking at robinson if the dreaded fumble happens early for gibson they're clearly showing like they're gonna have a very short leash so yeah i'm with you you probably can't toss him out there week one but there's a very real chance he's going to be starting and potentially even like featured on the early downs if Gibson fumbles this thing away. Uh, but also I, I think that might be getting a little overblown too. Like the, the punt they're, they're punishing him clearly. Like they're trying to send a message and message taken. I think we might be taking as fantasy owners, the message a little bit too hard. Uh, and, and he's falling to a point where like, I've seen him go after a hundred, 115 Gibson. It's like, Oh, the talent's worth betting on at that point as well. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned Rashad white, another rookie that like, unlike Pierce probably can't start him from week one, but a guy that I'm landing a lot. What, what's your case for White? And I'm happy to add on after. Yeah, just uh, that I don't think Fournette is going to have like the 
the role to himself the way he did last year. Like they just, uh, with Brady, there has to be someone you trust in, in pass protection and pass as a pass catcher. And like Ronald Jones was not that guy for the Buccaneers last year. He's mm-hmm. just a train wreck in the passing game. So, and with, with Giovanni Bernard hurt last year, it all sort of fell to Fournette. Um, you know, and, and there's a chance that this could not work out because Gio is there this year and, and maybe it's just, you know, the two veterans and we don't, get to see white have much of a run his rookie year but if anything happens to either of those two guys like white can catch passes he can pass mm-hmm. block um so he comes into the league pretty pro ready in the pass game and uh man like i think we're gonna see more of brady dumping off especially with just the middle of that offensive line getting ripped apart by retirement yes. free agency injuries um you know, if there's one thing, uh, I'm sure you know this, well, being a Patriots fan, yep. like if there's one thing Brady hates more than like late night carbs or uh, <laughs> Bruce <laughs> Arians, apparently, it's pressure up the middle. Yeah. And uh, he's he's probably going to get a lot of that this year. So that's that's good for whoever's in the backfield with him. And if at any point that becomes Rashad White, suddenly he's a guy uh, who could make an impact in fantasy. Absolutely. Six best PFF running back receiving grade of all time last year. You know, McCaffrey, Kamara, Eckler, some of the names ahead of him. Not bad company to be with. Fifth all time in yards per route run. And that metric, again, McCaffrey, Mixon, Travis Etienne, some guys that are really, really elite backs that he's, as a pass catcher, right up there. The staff complains for, and that's ad-libbing his routes too much. You know, I don't think that 100% matters because what Brady wants, Brady gets, and if Fournette's his guy, He'll be out there, but Fournette has missed three-plus games in four of the last five seasons. So if that door opens up, the GM did praise White as a th- true three-down back. We, we saw the the you know similar, the same exact coaching staff. It was David Johnson when he was a rookie. They kind of kept him on ice for most of the year. Starter goes down. Chris Johnson was having a, a solid year. David Johnson comes in and wins your league. So whether he's starting right off the gate or you, you hold on to him all year and then just, bam, for those last few weeks, could be just one of those type of players that absolutely swings the league. So I'm there with you 100%. The only other guy like going before the, the late round guys, we'll talk about a few stabs. I wanted to talk about Kenneth Gainwell is just the, the quote unquote high leverage back behind a, you know, an offense I think is going to be even better. I'm just avoiding Sanders completely because I Gainwell goes 50 picks later and we get the more valuable touches, the red zone, the two minute work, uh, the passing down work. I mean, you saw 50 targets, 11% share last year, uh, 20 red zone touches, six TDs on them. He's a good explosive player that's getting the money touches. So give me him in a backfield that I do like because of the line, because of the offense improving. Um, give me the guy that's getting the best touches 50 picks later. I like Gainwell a lot. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm not totally out on Sanders, but it, it is kind of a backfield that interests me just because the offensive line is probably the best in the league. And, uh, you know, there you get that benefit of having the running quarterback who uh you know do those rpos and freeze the the linebackers for a split second and we've seen miles sanders be pretty efficient as a runner maybe not as a touchdown scorer but like uh his yards per carry has been pretty good um so and maybe gainwell could benefit from that too mm. he's definitely the better pass catcher than uh miles sanders so yeah i mean i think we're seeing that gap between the two shrink and drafts but sanders yeah. is going to still go ahead of gainwell and uh, entirely possible Gainwell is the more valuable back this year. Absolutely. Well, I spent more time on those, that range of backs just because after 150, I, I love the receivers going late, so I almost would rather talk about those guys more than the running backs. You're looking usually at handcuffs 
in that range. And there's some interesting backfields, you know, whether it's the Arizona guys, if one of them emerges, Daryl, I, I my bet to do it, but Eno's apparently ahead of him. Who knows? So now that's getting a little cloudier. I, I like what this Jalen Warren kid's showing in Pittsburgh as a, whether you have to draft him or a guy to flag down in case something ever happened to Najee. looks like he has a real three-down skill set and could beat out Benny Snell right now running ahead of him. Uh, Dontrell Hilliard, if something happens to Henry, or maybe even you know not because he's the lead pass-catching back right now and making plays every day in camp, really showed out the few times he was used last year. I don't mind them. I guess if you're looking for a usable guy, I toss out McKinnon, Boston Scott, and maybe even Amir Abdullah now with, uh, with Kenyon Drake gone. Could be that that kind of they're saying the James White role there. I mean, everybody's getting handed the James White role apparently on the Pats or on the the Raiders. But man, that's a, they always do have a pass catching running back in that Pats offense. And Abdullah seemingly outplayed Drake enough to have him get cut. That could be a guy that does get you some nice receiving work um, and can be usable. That's going largely undrafted right now. So those are a few names I wanted to toss out there. If there's anyone that you liked from there or any other names you want to toss out, Pat, and then we'll move to receivers. Yeah. Um... I'll mention two real quickly. Uh, Zamir White as, as a rookie. Yeah. I mean, this guy is, he's not going to really catch passes for the Raiders, but um, man, this guy is just such a violent runner. And, uh, you know, if they do decide to move on from Josh Jacobs sooner rather than later, they've already elected not to pick up his fifth year option. Um, you know, Zamir White could definitely handle that early download. And, and maybe with kind of a shaky offensive line, they need a guy who can make his own holes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Jacobs is a tough inside runner, too. I'm not going to take that away from him. But uh, Zamir White is, is, man, that guy is just a bull in a china shop when he runs. So I yeah. like him a lot. And uh, Dearness Johnson is kind of interesting. Like the path yeah. to playing time is not clear right now. But, um, you know, Kareem Hunt has expressed some unhappiness with his role. And, uh, you know, I feel like either Hunt or Dearness Johnson could get moved. Hunt may be the more logical candidate, uh, allow the Browns to maybe recoup just a a tiny fraction of all the draft capital they gave up to get Deshaun Watson. Um, And then suddenly, you know, Dearness Johnson could become the number two on a team that likes to use multiple backs, has a good offensive line, is probably going to want to play ball control with Jacoby Brissett for the first 11 weeks of the season. Um, And I think... Dearness Johnson was uh, PFF's highest graded runner last year. So like he's popped whenever he's gotten playing time. Like I don't think there's star potential there, but uh, he could be useful for sure if something happened to give him a little bit bigger bigger of a role. So he's a guy I like to take a shot on in, in deep drafts. Yeah, I remember that Thursday night game. I mean, he I think it was the top five Denver. running back that week where he got the start and just looked really damn good. Like he's not the most athletic guy, but the vision, the way yep. he was good. He's a good player. Ran he ran good. all over the Broncos that night. Yeah. Yeah. That was a that was a while. I remember I had him in top 15 running backs, felt like a leap of faith. And then clearly he was even better than that. Uh yeah, he he was a stud. Uh, so if he comes into some playing time and behind that line and that zone scheme, definitely a guy to keep your eyes on. Uh, now moving over to wide receivers, as we've been doing, we'll start with that 100 to 150 range of guys and then move into some guys. I think there's a, a ton of guys going after 150. We won't analyze every single one, but I'll certainly toss out a bunch of names there. But let's start with you, Pat. Who are a couple guys in that 100 to 150 range that you really like? Oh, man. So I know Devontae Parker is not like the greatest separator. And, uh, you know, it's it's like getting a little late to be high on that guy. He's only had one really big year. But, uh, man, like of any 
wide receiver for New England that I'm drawn to. It's kind of him. Like, Jacoby is useful, but uh, Myers doesn't really, he doesn't score touchdowns. He doesn't really make a lot of big plays. It's kind of, uh, you know, empty calories with him. A lot of catches for, but, you know, not much big play potential. Maybe Parker is the one guy for them who can do some damage downfield. So I kind of like him just because he's so late. Like, everyone's completely bored with Devontae Parker, and and he goes, like, in the, uh, what, 13th, 14th round of draft. Um, And another guy who's kind of interesting. So Sky Moore, um, the usage in the preseason has not been real encouraging. I mean, he's been playing behind like Justin Watson, who, who kind of went off in preseason week two. Um, Mm -hmm. We, we wondered all off season, how things were going to sort themselves out with Juju Smith Schuster, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling coming over and Sky Moore going in the draft. So three new receivers, how are they going to fit in? And uh, Moore's been kind of getting the rookie treatment, but, I mean, the overall talent package is really enticing. The fact that he might get a chance to play with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he could pop right away. Um, He just might be a guy you have to, you know, kind of sit on and wait for the egg to hatch a few weeks into the the regular season. But I think eventually he's going to start producing. Absolutely. And they're seeing that that versatile role in the backfield and everything. It might take a little while, as you said, but... Look at Amon Ross St. Brown. Like every year, A.J. Brown a couple of years ago, there's always that like rookie receiver that does finally come into some meaningful work and takes off. And it's not the hardest depth chart to climb up. So I'm, I'm very intrigued by Sky Moore, regardless of the discouraging preseason usage. I think he's going to have a real role, uh, whether it's midseason or right away. He's definitely one of the more talented guys there. He just feasted on the, the college competition. Yeah, maybe a little lesser than college competition you expect, but he did what he was supposed to do. What, what can we, we can't hate on him for feast that he was where he was and he ate like he should have so i love it and parker yeah as a new england fan i mean they're all the camp reports the guy's been a monster in the red zone all off season um so could be a, a nice source of touchdowns in round 13 14 certainly in best ball it might be tricky because that that would be a, a tough receiving core as it is with the running backs the patriots are always tough to know who's going to go off but those spike weeks will certainly come for parker i bet he'll have multiple games with multiple touchdowns so i like him uh quite a bit I really like Robert Woods as well going in this range. Uh, he's right at that 100 cusp, but think about the opportunity. First in vacated targets and target share and air yards and air yard share and inside the 10 targets, every meaningful vacated opportunity metric, they are at the top of it for the Titans. Uh, and, you know, Traylon Burks was definitely intriguing as a prospect, but right now he's running deep into games with the third and fourth stringers, and he's not really impressing in that run either. He's been banged up again. Uh, time to time, whether it's the conditioning, now he's dealing with some sort of ailment. It just seems to me like somebody's going to have to step up here. And Woods has always been a pretty reliable, just dependable, unsexy guy that gets it done. Uh, so with all that opportunity there for him, I wouldn't be shocked to see 80 to 90 catches going after around 100. I mean, I pick 100. Could be very intriguing. Apparently, they have really good chemistry, him and Tannehill as well, uh, dating all the way back to OTA. So I like Woods quite a bit as a nice source of volume. But if you want a little more sizzle, in that range, Chris Olave really, really intrigues me. I know it's a tar- you know a pretty congested with Thomas's there. There's a lot of mouths to feed Jarvis Landry, but I think he does something different than those two in terms of the field stretching ability um, and it's just ability to separate. It's insane. We already just saw it in week two of the preseason with that touchdown. Nobody was even close to him. So smooth. Um, so I think he'll have a role regardless. And then if t- Thomas, you're already dealing with a hamstring, we haven't even seen him in two years. So as much as I'm intrigued by Thomas and his return, if something happens to him yet again, we could be seeing a, a number one receiver for Jameis Winston, and we know how he can force feed his targets. So I like Olavi a lot as well in that range. Uh, any thoughts on those two guys, or you want to toss out any other names? 
Yeah, I think uh, with Woods, you're right about maybe uh, target opportunity and, and price uh, coming at a nice intersection here where, you know, he's not. I, I think the excitement over Robert Woods has kind of waned a little bit. I mean, he goes from being drafted uh, frequently ahead of Cooper Cup last year to uh, being kind of a forgotten commodity this year. So, yeah, I like the the price there. And, man, Olave, I wanted my Packers to get him so bad. I know. Uh, just like he's the most... I, Rogers friendly wide receiver in this year's rookie class just the most terrifying yeah Yeah. such an amazing (laughs) route runner uh so smooth like I I do think he has a chance and we should probably mention George Pickens too just because of the way he's balled out right um I mean he's getting more expensive I don't know if he's even going to be going after the top 100 anymore maybe his (laughs) ADP is there now but realistically I think someone in every draft is probably going to want to take a chance on that guy but man he is showing out um like, I don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be like in Pittsburgh. There's a lot of target competition, but I mean, he does look like a potential superstar here. And uh, like, I can understand the temptation if someone's thinking about him in like the eighth round. Absolutely. He, he looks like he could potentially lead all rookie receivers in points. Um, and, you know, you pick it, it seems like he's going to be taken over sooner than later. And there's just always that like kind of rookie to rookie connection. I don't have the stats to quantify that, but. They always seem to just have that nice locked in. He, he seems to be outplaying Claypool at this point for the number two role. He's listed as a starter. He's playing all the starter snaps. I don't think any receiver has risen more in value than George Pickens. So absolutely there with you. Uh, Rondell Moore, the last guy in that range too. I, I'm intrigued by at least, um, you know, four, three, seven, forty, ninety fifth 95th percentile there, a ton of bursts. Like just didn't really get much of a role, but Kingsbury just continues to hype the guy up as their immediate fill-in for Christian Kirk. Uh, they're talking about running the air raid even more with like the four wide once Hopkins is back. So you got those six weeks where he could really give you a spark right away. Uh, certainly if you're waiting for Hopkins, you're waiting for a Godwin or something like that. He's a guy I love in that like round 11 to 12 range. That could be a, a nice high usage guy for those first few weeks. And then who knows if it will even disappear uh, even when Hopkins is back. Certainly will be less. But I, I really like Rondale Moore's potential in this offense, especially as a, a bridge to some of those hurt clear-cut number one receivers like Godwin and Hopkins. Are you out on more, or do you have any thoughts on him? Oh, uh, on Rondell? No, I'm yeah. like, I'm, as a Big Ten guy, I'm very much in on Rondell. Like, that uh, freshman season that he had in, what, 2018, like, that was unlike anything I've ever seen. I mean, he was just uh, yeah. going nuclear, like, pretty much beat Ohio right. State by himself um, that yeah. year. <laughs> yeah, and so, like, I mean, there's not a great history, a great track record for wide receivers under 5'9". Like, we've only yeah. seen one guy under 5'9", have a thousand yard season in the Super Bowl era. It was like Richard Johnson for the Lions in 1989. But man, I mean, I love the dude's game. I would love to see them just make him the full time slot guy now that Christian Kirk's no longer there. Um, you know, but I just, I wonder what that's going to look like after uh, Hopkins gets back. You know, yeah. like, and, and if you're, if you've got any hesitation to start Rondell Moore in the early, weeks of the season then what's going to happen like you know after the suspension ends so man i want to like rondell so much i'm i'm a truther but like sometimes i i haven't been able to pull the trigger on him in drafts this year yeah and admittedly too some of those running backs we talked about pierce you know white gainwell robinson all kind of go in that same area it's certainly pickens i actually haven't landed as much rondell as like you know i i would necessarily think because i love everything about the situation but where he goes I almost always seem to be going someone else. And especially because some of these later round receivers are just so intriguing. You already mentioned Dotson as like your must hit guy. And he's going after 150. 
fully on board there. Is there any other guys, though, going after 150 you could see really breaking out? Yeah, um, I mean, so as a handcuff wide receiver, I like Josh Palmer mm. on the Chargers. A, a guy who maybe as a number three is not going to have that much standalone value. Maybe could pop, like if you have him in best ball or something. But like if anything happens to either Keenan Allen or Mike Williams... And this guy is getting like an 80 or 90% snap share every week in a high-powered passing attack in that AFC West mm-hmm. where we're going to see shootout after shootout. Uh, Palmer could be really interesting. He separated himself from Jalen Guyton for that number three role. Like he's he's pretty clearly the number three. Really unique talent there. And, uh, you know, another another big 10 wide receiver, Wolf. I'm just going to keep throwing him out yeah. there. Date. David Bell is like, I think he's like probably the second best uh, receiver the Browns have after Amari Cooper. And this dude just gets open. He kind of reminds me of Anquan Bolden. Not real fast. His 40 time was a big disappointment at the combine. But um, man, I mean, like last year, I think the Iowa Hawkeyes were undefeated and riding high and David Bell just wrecked them in (laughs) Iowa City. Just wrecked them over 200 yards, like a couple of touchdowns. Yeah, so um, man, like... I think he could be kind of sneaky good and a guy you can get really, really late and a draft kind of pick. Yeah, I love that call. I love these guys that just can shoulder entire offenses in college and to see where they can translate. And Jalen Tolbert was one of those guys as well. 33.4% college target share. Player profile calls of the college dominator rating, 51.2% was in the 90th percentile. So he's another guy, comes from a small school, but certainly just absolutely feasted. And this Cowboys attack, you know, with Dak and Kellen Moore has just been nothing other than prolific. First and first in total yards in their two seasons together. Sixth and first in total points. Second and second in passing yards. Fifth and third in passing TDs across those two seasons. So it is a high-powered attack. Maybe it goes down a little bit. But there is, well, a ton of mouths to feed. I mean, a ton of, not even, I mean, vacated opportunities when I'm getting that more. With Cooper gone, uh, it, somebody's got to step up there. Gallup won't be ready until about mid-October, they're saying. And right now, it does seem like Tolbert's the guy. I know there's some other rookies or Noah Brown and other people that might end up taking it, but he's a guy after 150. Why not take a stab at somebody that could have a high target share in this offense, certainly to start the year, and then maybe to continue on in 4-4-9. I mean, I like a lot about him. And then that handcuff argument also could apply maybe to K.J. Osborne, a guy that really, really played well whenever called upon. Uh, he topped, So he saw six-plus targets in eight games last year. He topped 14 in seven of those eight games. He was a top 24 receiver in six of those eight games. And he averaged um, you know, nearly 16 points per game anytime he saw six-plus targets. So he might not even need an injury to get to six-plus targets a game this year. Could have been out. We've already talked about Kirk Cousins and Kevin O'Connell bringing this more aerial-bound attack. But when he plays, he does really well. And, and he's getting kind of the starter's treatment in terms of not playing while Jefferson and, and Phelan are also on ice. Seems like he's got that role unlocked just as Palmer did, who also, again, produced really well whenever called upon. So I love those two guys as potential, quote-unquote, handcuffs that have some upside, even if nothing happens in front of them. Um, I like both those guys a lot. Yeah, um, me too. I mean, Tolbert, like you said, there's just opportunity galore in what should be a pretty good offense. And um, who was the guy? The other guy, Nico? 
Uh, we're, gonna hit, we're gonna hit Nico. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Osborne as the uh, oh yeah wide receiver handcuff type of role. Yeah. Yeah. So especially with all the three wideouts, uh, yeah. they're gonna be playing, and that's just not something uh, we saw a lot of from Minnesota last year. I think they were one of the lower percentage teams in the league as far as playing three wideouts. But uh, you know, we know with O'Connell coming from that Ram system, they're gonna be running eleven personnel all the time. So yeah, Absolutely. big big opportunity there. And you mentioned Nico, another one of my favorites. I like Mills, and I like Nico, that number two. He's been making plays regularly. You know, prayers up for John Mechie. Obviously, a very unfortunate situation. Fantasy-wise, it does ultimately condense that target pool to, yeah, Brandon Cooks could see 30% of the targets, and Nico might still see a 20% target share. All the buzz has been huge on this guy. Good grasp of the offense, refined his route running, dominating in camp, a great red zone body. We just saw him score a nice red zone TD. I think he definitely has... Eight to ten touchdown upside. I think you know if they're going to have to, if they suck and chuck. Like I think they're going to. I think there's room for you know a thousand potential yards even. So I love Nico Collins in that one fifty ish range. I think he could be a real stud player. Yeah, same here. A um, lot of opportunity and uh, one of those guys who you know never totally caught fire at the University of Michigan, but uh, maybe that was the Harbaugh handicap. A lot of guys seem to underachieve there, and then uh, maybe you know can go on to bigger and better things in the pros. But yeah, I like Nico a lot, and uh, he will have opportunity galore, especially with that Mechi injury. Yeah, the last names. I'm not going to dive into these guys, but Wandale Robinson, KJ Hamler, Alec Pierce. A few guys also on my list with some real upside. And then I, somebody's going to come into value with the Packers. I know Lazard is kind of the clear number one. I don't know if it's Dubs who just continues to make play after play, if it's just the old steady Randall Cobb. Uh, you're a Packers fan, so I'd love just your quick take on who you could see behind Lazard, or even if it is Lazard, uh, coming into some value with Rodgers there. Yeah, it's it could be one of these situations, Wolf, where like no one has more than about 700 yards, because I'm not even yeah. sure I totally buy in a Lazard as, as being this high uh, volume target guy. So, yeah. I mean, like if you're betting on ceiling, like Dobbs and uh, Watson are both interesting. And I know, you know, the, the shortened training camp for Watson is kind of depressing, but he does have that crazy size speed combination. But uh, I, I feel like we're destined to see Sammy Watkins go for like, you know, five <laughs> for 86 and a touchdown in week one. Week one and all always. of a sudden people are throwing out double digit <laughs> fab bids on, on Sammy Watkins. Like something weird is going to happen. There wouldn't be surprised if Wat Watkins had his moments, but I think it's going to be really unpredictable from week to week. Like yeah. as much as I'm a Packer fan, I've kind of been avoiding the wide receivers in drafts. Yeah, Sigmund Bloom, I'll just add one tweet he had that I really love, one of the better analysts out there, in my opinion. Randall Cobb with five or more targets last year in those games, 569 and two, 315 and two, three for 50, and then 495 and one. So whenever he was used, he had some decent games, and, and there's certainly targets galore up here. He, I love that he also had 21 of his 28 uh, catches went for first downs, and then, as you can see, five of them went for touchdowns too. So those money situations, Rodgers was looking for his guy. A guy that's going free right now that will have at least three to four games in your best ball formats that he'll be in your lineup. So I, I go to him more so than Dubs just because Rodgers loves his veterans. Uh, but, man, I, obviously I'd go Dubs in a vacuum because the upside's really there. But in terms of price, I like uh, Cobb as just this last-round kind of throwaway guy. And, and we're talking round 20 type of leagues there too. Yeah. Uh, well, we spent a lot of time at receivers. I know those positions, running back and receivers, are certainly the most important. But we don't want to skimp on tight end as well. Uh, so, Pat, do you have any guys going in that 100 to 150 range that you might trust as your number one tight end? 
So I feel like this is cheating because in analyst leagues, uh, you know, we we've been uh, trumpeting this guy for a while, but maybe in home leagues, he's not going to go as early as he should. Cole Komet, mm. uh, just because he didn't finish well with uh, lack of touchdowns, like he has not been much of a touchdown scorer his first two years in the league, but he topped 60 receptions and 600 yards last year. And uh, man, like the Bears need pass catchers. It's it's Darnell Mooney, it's Cole Komet, and then after that, I mean, I think Equinemius St. Brown is in line to be their wide receiver too right now. So uh would not surprise me if Komet was like, you know, number one or number two in this team in targets. And, uh, you know, Fields is, like I like Fields as a passer. I mean, I think the offense could be kind of a train wreck overall for Chicago, but um, there's opportunity here for Komet to be a high-volume guy. So I like him. And then there's a limited ceiling here with no offense, but I think in his first two years, he's finished like tight end eight and tight end 12 with lousy quarterbacks. And yeah, now he's still saddled to drew lock, but at least we've seen a floor with him. And, uh, you know, with fans like crazy athleticism, like you, you can make worse bets than betting on a crazy athletic tight end. Uh, even if you don't like the quarterback situation. And he's just fallen so far in drafts that I think it's it's he's almost kind of a value now in the tight end two range. Yeah, I, the one thing I'm a little concerned with is he's been playing pretty deep into the preseason, like second half type yeah, of stuff. So. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing with him there, if that's just a weird Pete Carroll thing, but I know, <laughs> I know that's that's not heartening for sure no it's not it, it certainly could get ugly if they make it a committee in an already ugly situation disley's like listen to this who knows because it certainly has the athleticism and and that's what jj zacharyson and the target i have here mentions one of the key factors to a tight end breakouts when he did his study was athleticism is a huge part of it but also then quarterback play can be a really big part it actually wasn't as important for breakout receivers as it was tight ends which makes sense because they, they get to their third or fourth reads more often so Combining athleticism and, and and nice QB play, I really like Gerald Everett for the Chargers. Uh, you know, Donald Parham was a concern of mine because he's a beast at 6'8 and a red zone monster and was having a great camp, but he's been out for weeks now of training camp. Uh, so ultimately, this could be just Gerald Everett's role. And they're talking about you know, jet sweeps and screens and all these variety of ways of using him. I know he's going to be below a lot of people on that target totem pole. But ultimately, when the pie is, you know, what I think is going to lead the league in passing, fourth or fifth option will still come into some value and certainly some scores, in my opinion, for Gerald Everett. And that tight end, when you're going this late at you know, 140, 150, what else are you looking for other than touchdowns and, and a few spike weeks? So I really like Gerald Everett as a potential number one. And speaking of touchdowns, you know, Pat Fry just finished with a ton of touchdowns, seventh in, uh, you know, seven touchdowns, sixth in scores last year. And now Ebron, who was playing 62% of the snaps last year, is gone. He was a rookie as well. We know how hard it can be for rookie tight ends to typically spike. Uh, so I like Fryermuth and what he showed last year. Now coming into a, a sophomore season, maybe we get a jump. I think ten plus touchdowns with that six foot five frame uh, are very very real. Uh, so I like him. It is tough because Pickens is also now exploding, and it's like, can you feed Deontay and Pickens and Claypool and Fryermuth? But all those guys around him might open up the middle of the field a little bit. Uh, he himself said, I want 800 to 900 yards, which I don't see that happening, but still uh, potentially a guy that could spike in scores. So I like Everett and I like Fryermuth a lot. Yeah, same here. Um, Fryermuth, well, I, I like Fryermuth as long as the, the price stays modest. I think people might pay for the touchdowns last year. And, uh, you know, Roethlisberger only seemed to have eyes for Fryermuth in the uh, red zone 
last year. Who knows if that's going to stay the same? I do like him, just like, but I've got Komet ranked higher. And if yeah. uh, you know, if if Fryermuth is going before him, then I'd rather just wait that out and and take Komet. Um, but yeah, Everett is an intriguing one for sure. Like, I don't know if I actually think Everett is good, but he is in the right <laughs> spot for sure. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. we, we've talked about how uh, the, the AFC West is going to have these, like, duels every week in their divisional matchups. And, uh, like, there's there's not all that much uh, competition. Like, I don't know if Parham is ever going to get it all together. And so, yeah, there there's a definite opportunity there for him to be, like, a sneaky six or seven touchdown guy. Definitely. And well, some of that is talented, at least showing in this preseason is Isaiah likely. And I think he's a very timely guy to bring up. You had him listed for your guy going after 150. I haven't really seen him get drafted much, but could be really intriguing in this offense. Uh, what are you seeing from likely and what do you like about him? Oh man, he's coming on so fast. Well, one is just like, he looks like a big wide receiver out there. I mean, he's like, I, I didn't realize he was going to look this fast on the field. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really uh, as familiar with him coming out of college as I should have been. And man, it's just been exciting to see what this guy can do. Uh, like after the catch, he just looks like, you know, a guy you don't want to get in front of uh, if you're trying to tackle yeah. him, you know, I mean, he's, he's going to run over some defensive backs and uh, surprisingly, surprisingly quick, like just, he has some jets after he catches it, man. And like the Ravens, what do they have? Like after Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews, it's just James Prochet, Devin Duvernay, Tylen Wallace. Like that's a weak group. And and now that they're talking about uh, likely having a a pretty significant role and maybe being able to carve out like a 14 or 15% target share in Baltimore, that could be pretty interesting. Absolutely. I, I don't know if I've ever handcuffed a tight end either, but if something happened to Andrews as well, he's looking like he could really shoulder the Andrews role. And that's an insanely valuable role in fantasy. Yes. They already run some of the most two tight end sets in football. So he's probably, it's kind of like Josh Palmer and KJ Osborne will have some standalone value given all the time he's going to be on the field anyways. But if something ever happened to Andrews, he might be ranked as a top five weekly tight end if he's continues to show as well as he has so far, yeah, I love that call. He's certainly someone that wasn't on my radar that throughout preseason has ju- ju- definitely jumped up there. Last guy, and not sexy at all, but if you're going real late at tight end and you want something that could be steady, Austin Hooper, we talked about all the vacated opportunity with Robert Woods in the Tennessee Titans. I-, I could see Hooper being the next man up after Robert Woods, and certainly if these Traylon Burks struggles continue, he has a good rapport, they're saying, with Ryan Tannehill. They're staying after practice every day. All those reports you love to see. He would always do that with Matt Ryan. And we saw Hooper have some top five tight end seasons in his day. I don't know that he hits that ceiling at this point. But as a top 10 guy, potentially, I, I don't know too many tight ends going in that, certainly going in that range, that have the type of volume upside that he might see. So I don't mind Hooper at all that late. Yeah, he could get a lot of targets this year. Uh, we know Ryan Tannehill isn't going to throw to Derrick Henry very much. Uh, no. That has never really come to fruition. And uh, as you mentioned earlier in the show, Traylon Burks has kind of struggled to get his footing. So there is target opportunity here, and, and we're routinely seeing Hooper go like after 20 tight ends are off the board. Awesome. Well, that wraps up our conversation on sleepers. Thanks again, everybody that's been here. I've seen some people tossing their sleepers out there into the chat. Awesome. I can't wait to hit all those. But before we let you go, Pat, you down to hit that no huddle rapid fire offense? Oh, yeah. Let's do it, Wolf. Let's do it. Again, wasting no time. 
Huddle offense. <laughs> they see the production value increasing over here, huh, Pat? <laughs> the uh, new segment transitions. Let's jump right in. In order, the first five picks of 2022 draft should be. Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, then the big three wide receivers. Cooper Cup. I have Jamar Chase ahead of Justin Jefferson. Uh, Jefferson, five. I love it. Wow. Number two, the late round league winning QB will be. Uh, oh, man. We talked about him before. Daniel Jones. Let's say he gets 700 rushing yards and, and doesn't look terrible as a passer in uh, Brian Dable's first year as, as play caller. Who do you think gained the most value this offseason? Oh, man. Uh, Gabriel Davis just picking up steam now that he's got his role as the number two receiver firmly in place. And just, uh, you know, I, I think people were hesitant at first. But now, I mean, that combined with that crazy 201-yard four-touchdown game against the Chiefs that everyone saw. And uh, now there's opportunity. It's just been to the moon with him all offseason. Absolutely. Who do you think lost the most value? Oh, man, I was going to have Jalen Waddell as like a top 10 receiver uh, mm. until the Tyreek Hill trade went down. And it's still hard for me to like get Waddle any lower than about, you know, mid-range wide receiver two. Uh, but like, I love the guy. I just kind of hate that that trade happened. Absolutely. Highest scoring rookie after Brees Hall, if it even is Brees Hall for you. Oh, uh, I think like if I had to put a bet down. I think I'd put it on Chris Olave. Nice. You know, nice. I mean, you talked about it. Like, he's pro-ready. Uh, you know, Jameis, as as much as they tried to have him playing ball control early last year, the dude likes to take his shots downfield, and uh, Olave could be that guy for him. I think you might be on – I know where you're going to answer this one based on an earlier answer, but Gabe Davis, yay or nay? Oh, yeah, we got to go yay here. I mean, he's had, like, over two years – 16.4 yards per catch and he's scoring touchdowns on like 17.8 percent of his catches <laughs> and like 10.4 percent of his targets like this dude is just a playmaker so wow. yay probably won't be another cooper cup in 2022 but if there was one it would be how about the dude who actually had more fantasy points than cooper cup through week five of the 2021 season mike williams uh, he was on fire to start the year and then tweaked his knee in week five and, you know, kind of partly played week six, wasn't himself for like another month and a half after that before finally picking up the pace again in December. But man, people forget how fast he was out of the gates last year. Mm -hmm. So let's go Mike Williams. Love that call. Who's the free agent or traded player that feasts in their new home? Oh, let's go Devontae Adams. We we talked about that harmony with Derek Carr. Uh, and and mm -hmm. Adams is just too good. To, I, I know, like, I don't always love investing in wide receivers who change teams. This is one time I'm I'm not very hesitant. Love it. What's the 101 of fast food? <laughs> oh, man. So, all right. I don't know if Shake Shack qualifies as fast food. Yeah. But the, the Smoke Shack burger with that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, hot red pepper relish is just, uh, <laughs> that gets me every time. But if, if we have to go true fast food, the, the Wendy's spicy chicken filet, man. I got to get a little heat with my fast food sandwich. A, a plus. I love the, the spicy chicken sandwich. Great choice. Who do you think's the early rounder that busts the hardest this year? Oh, man. I just, like, I hate the thought of investing in Derrick Henry, like after, you know, the first injury, hopefully it's only one, but um, man, the way as hard as they've ridden that dude the last couple of years, and now he's kind of past peak age and the offensive line has taken some major hits. Uh, I just kind of don't love the situation there. So, you know, I'll do respect to King Henry, but uh, I'm not taking him. You're, you're like, I think everybody said him so far. So you're in good company. I'll tell you that much for sure. 
Uh, who's the mid-rounder in right now in 2022 that you think is going in the early rounds come this time next year? Oh, man, if he can stay healthy, Kadarius Tony. And, uh, man, he had, like, so many different injuries. It was, like, quad, shoulder, ankle, COVID. He had, like, everything last season keep him out. But in weeks four and weeks five, I mean, he looked like this dude is just a special athlete. He's, like, so spr- – he's, like, a, you know, a coil who just un- unwinds and, like, explodes, mm. man. Like, he's dynamite with the ball in his hands. Um you know, he was just so special those two weeks. Like, if we got a full season of that yeah. with Brian Dable's creativity, finding ways to get that guy into space, like, the sky's the limit. People could be potentially really excited about him a year from now. Absolutely. And you don't have to do all the positions. I always want to preface it that. But pick one, running back, receiver, or tight end that you think is a late-round league winner. All right, here's a guy we haven't talked about, and this is crazy because we were talking about him as a potential league winner last year, and and that didn't work out so well. What if it's what if it's Trey Sermon, Wolf? Like, what if we were all just a year too early on Trey Sermon, who's now like running as the number two behind a banged up uh, Elijah Mitchell in San mm-hmm. Francisco, and we've seen like under the Shanahan system, like back in the day with uh, you know Mike Shanahan the Tatum Bells and the Ruben Drones and all these crazy dudes have, uh, you know, these explosive one-year performances. And it happened with Elijah Mitchell last year. Like, what if Sermon is that dude who everyone loved so much coming out of Ohio State, you know, some people liked more than Jonathan Taylor. Like, what if he gets it all together and becomes the guy at some point in San Francisco? Because, like, if you're going to bet on a league one or late, you can do worse than a uh, Shanahan running back. That's true. I love, I've always loved the scheme. We'll see if it's him. That's a really nice one to toss out there. What is the greatest TV show of all time? Oh man. Like, I don't know how I can pick between Mad Men and Breaking Bad. Can it be like, you know, one A and one A there? Uh, I I love those two totally different types of shows, but um, those are like tied for uh, at the top of the heap for me. Nice. Most important coaching hire of 2022. Brian Dable. Um, You know, they need him to unlock Saquon Barkley who I've, mm-hmm. I've started to get excited about after being kind of a, a Frady cat early in the off season. Uh, you know, maybe he could salvage uh, Daniel Jones career. Maybe he could uh, finally get Kenny Galladay going. Maybe he can mm. get uh, Kadarius Tony to be that star. We want him to right. like, there's so many guys who, if this Dable system works, uh, you know, could return big profits. So like he's, he's an important one for sure. Absolutely. The most important preseason story or battle that you're monitoring right now? I think still the Chiefs wide receivers. And we're starting to get some answers. Like Juju does seem to be the main guy if he can stay healthy. Uh, MVS is getting a lot of snaps. Uh, We're we're seeing less encouraging news for Sky Moore so far and for uh, Nicole Hardman. Mm. But yeah, I mean, someone here is going to be valuable and, and maybe more than one of these guys. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just still trying to read the tea leaves here. Wish things were a little more clear. Yeah. It can't be chase or waddle. That'd be too easy, but which year two receiver blows up the most. Oh man. I love Rashad Bateman. So yeah. much target opportunity for this dude. And, uh, you know, like it's, it's interesting that the Ravens traded away Marquise Brown uh, at mm-hmm. the draft and then didn't draft another wideout. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes it seem like they have immense confidence in Bateman. And after watching him, uh, you know, up here at the university of Minnesota in the big 10, like, I understand why I like, I don't think the guy's a weakness in his game. Like he, he mm-hmm. plays fast. He runs good routes. He's good after the catch, great hands. 
uh, and he can play inside or out. So, uh, like, I'm pretty enthusiastic. He's, like, almost inside my top 20 at wide receiver. I think I got him at, like, 21. Nice. Who's the player you'd most want to hang out and have a drink with? <laughs> oh, man. Like, I, I know this is, uh, like, he's not maybe the fun guy. But like, I, I love to talk to Aaron Rodgers and pick that dude's brain, you know, and part of it's my, my Packers homerism, but like, uh, you know, as, as Packers GM, Brian Gutekunst said, he's a complicated fella. And, uh, you know, I, I'd like to try to see what I could learn from him or about him in, uh, you know, an hour or two at dinner. Nice. What's your drink of choice while you're hanging with him? <laughs> oh God, man. I'm, I'm a beer guy first, but with Rogers, you know, you'd have to drink like red wine. Something tells me we're not drinking beer. We're, we're dr drinking wine of some sort, probably a nice Cabernet. True. Or, or maybe some psychedelic tea. <laughs> Could be, man. That. Could be. That, that's the real reason you want to have it. <laughs> I love it. Oh man. Last two here, Pat, you uh, won't leave your 2022 drafts without. Oh, cause he's so cheap now. Antonio Gibson, man. G give me the guy with the uh, crazy size speed, the wide receiver background who everyone is fading. Like I'll, I'll buy that guy all day. Awesome. And the last one, the boldest 2022 fantasy prediction. And then just a reminder of where our listeners can find you anywhere you want to promote your work, anything you guys have out that you'd love to pump. All right. Trey Lance is a top three quarterback. Nice. Uh, like he's just such a, a dynamite runner. Everyone's looking for, uh, you know, this year's Jalen Hurts. And I think it's going to be Trey Lance. Um, hey, like he ha doesn't have a lot of NFL experience. Hasn't uh, he's going to be confused by what NFL defenses throw at him sometimes. That's fine, man. He can uh, a confused mobile young quarterback is just going to tuck it away and run. So yeah. wouldn't shock me. Wouldn't shock me if he had more rushing yards than Jalen Hurts. And, uh, you know, even though he's probably got some uh, growing to do as a passer, having Debo and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle as your top three targets uh, mm -hmm. and, and running the Kyle Shanahan playbook, like that's not a bad start to not your NFL career. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so people can find me on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. Um, great stuff coming out every day of August and into early September at Fantasy Pros, our busiest content month of the year for sure uh check out fits on fantasy every week and uh wolf thank you so much for having me man always love talking to you it's always a pleasure pat thank you again so much for coming on it's one of my favorite times of the year when i get to chat with you and chat ball and it's just so like you said annual tradition we get the season right on the cusp i would love to continue doing it my man always oh, of course, a blast man. anytime my friend awesome well best of luck this year i hope all the predictions come true for you win all your fantasy leagues and thanks again so much, Pat. Have a great rest of your day. All right. Thanks, buddy. We'll see you at the top of those uh, standings in the accuracy rankings. Yeah, so. good competition. I can't right, wait. Man. Looking forward to it, my man. Awesome, Pat. Well, thanks again. Cheers. All right. Cheers. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again to Pat. Thanks for joining. What a great show. Always is with Pat talking through all of those sleepers. Make sure you check Fitz underscore FF if you enjoyed it. You had to enjoy that one, right? It's an awesome show. As it always is, go check out Pat. Check out his podcast, too. It is one of the best I've guested on there before. He does such a thoughtful job interviewing his guests. So check out Pat. He is always genuinely one of the best minds, but also just guys out there. We got some good questions coming in, Wolfpack. So let's hit the mailbag, as you guys know. And just a reminder, I will also be live again later today with Pete Overzet, one of the best guys in the space, certainly in terms of best ball, too. Such a bright mind. We're going to be doing a best ball draft together talking some of our best ball, best practices in just about an hour here uh, over at 2 o'clock. So 12.25, about an hour and a half, we'll be live uh, with 
with uh, Pete again today. So we'll hit all these questions now. I might have to cut it off just so I can make sure I get ready for that show as well. But let's let's hit what we got here. Evan Harrison, rate this team. Moore and Penny for D- – oh, trade. Uh, Moore and Penny for DJ Moore. Every trade is so tough to evaluate without seeing the full roster. Um, oh, you gave us some some context here, Evan. And good to see you again, Evan. You've been t- tuning in quite a bit this summer. I love to see it. Uh, so uh, you have Harris, Barkley, Hall, Dylan, and Madison. Um, I'm guessing that's Najee Harris, not Damian Harris, because you, you went in order there. So you're already pretty stacked at running back. I don't know that Penny is moving the needle for you. Um, and then your other receivers are Evans, Deontay Johnson, and Tony. Um, here's the deal. I, I think it's a good trade for you. I also, though, am not that high on DJ Moore. So I like the theory of packaging up one of your running backs, Penny, uh, packaging up one of your receivers because you're pretty good, but you could use a nice upgrade there, uh, given that Tony's a little bit more speculative. So I would potentially consider, uh, you know, who else you could get. If you love DJ Moore, do that play. But my recommendation, I really like, I don't think the gap between Eli Moore and DJ Moore is much, but for your team, Penny also doesn't do you much. So I would do that trade, but I also prefer somebody else other than DJ Moore. You can check my rankings at uh, grocerjohn.com slash big board to find out who I prefer. I'm just not much of a DJ Moore guy, but, you know, establish the run. Some really smart people are huge in on it. Uh, please give me that. Sorry, I, you know, we have to cut Pat off. You, you can only keep him so long. Uh, so I wish I could have given you his advice, Evan. Uh, but you can always find him at, F, at Fitz underscore FF. And I know he has a Patreon too where he guarantees he'll answer your questions as well. So if you want his take, you'll have to go ask him. Uh, I can't I can't keep the guests extra long, unfortunately. Um, but hopefully you like my answer at least. Frazier, what's going on from Scotland, my man? Good to hear from you. Standard League picking fourth and JT and CMC are gone. Screw CMC anyways. Uh, Standard League is tough because – you know, in, in a half or full PPR, it's Cup and it's Jefferson. It's easy. Standard where touchdowns matter a whole lot more, it, it becomes tough. I think Cup, if he's there, it's so tough to pass him up. And even Jefferson in the Cup role as a better athlete <laughs> could be deadly. So I still probably go one of those two guys. If you wanted running back, though, and you know your league is going to hammer running backs and you're really worried about who's going to be left there, I like Eckler. I know like PPR wise, he gets a boost, but he also scored like 20 touchdowns last year, the most among running backs. So he's going to keep scoring. All the competition behind him has been very underwhelming. So I like Eckler if you really wanted to go running back, but I probably would go two of those others uh, for sure. Jonathan traded away Swift and DJ Moore for Montgomery and Jamar Chase. I like that. I don't mind that at all. I, here's the deal. I'm also lower on Swift and DJ Moore than consensus. And I'm also higher on Montgomery, but I think the upgrade from Chase to, uh, you know, after more is a huge upgrade. It's tricky because a lot of people, sharp people are very high on Swift. And I think there's a pretty good gap between Swift and Montgomery. But I prefer the side you have. Um, running backs are a little ugly now with Etienne and Montgomery. If something, you know, Etienne does not pan out, you're in a, a tough spot here. Uh, I I don't love Debo either. So I, if you could trade him and get some running back depth, I'd probably consider Not that I don't love Debo the player, but – is he going to really get the rushing volume he got last year with, you know, now he got Kittle and Ayuk's uh, the MVP. I don't know that I love it. Wolf and Fitz, I got it. Oh, my man, BK, great to see you, brother. I feel like this time last year is when we met, right? Millinocket area. Is it Millinocket, maybe? Somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Vermont, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Fitz is definitely an icon and, uh, you know, getting there. 
getting there. Uh, Jesus Christ, the sacrifice. Wow. Uh, intense name, but I'm uh, happy. Hopefully you forgive me for my sins. Uh, if I answer your question, no, I don't mean to joke, but hey, uh, Lamar Jackson, Cordero Patterson, Nick Chubb, Justin Jefferson, Debo, Kyle Pitts, Terry, McLaurin, Lazard, and Corns. I mean, you got some great players there, Jesus. I don't know if there's a question here. You're just like, what are my thoughts on your team? You got some great talent. I am a little bit lower on Chubb and uh, Lamar than the consensus. Two very talented guys that could make me eat crow. Um, so I'm a little bit lower on those guys and probably would have preferred someone else where you took them. But the depth you have behind them anyways, I don't know how many teams are in there. That's a great team. Yeah, Pat, uh, the Gibby fade of 2020 will be an all-timer. So, yeah, I, I think you know a lot of people are fading Gibby, and we know Pat's hammering it, and that's a very smart man. So I maybe I need to reconsider my stance on him, certainly as he falls after pick 100 nowadays. Oh, good to see you, Mahmoud. Awesome to see you. Uh, thoughts on Zach Moss? We've been waiting for so long, but like the guy's got the touchdown role right now, it seems. So, yeah, you know, he wasn't in my, you've probably heard those running backs we went through. He wasn't there for me, but could he be? Yeah, I can see it. If injury happened to either of the guys in front of him, and if he has the standalone red zone role already, there's definitely some value to be had there. My guess, though, what happens with him every year, he gets hurt, he fades off into nothing. And it's probably going to happen again. Uh, but if he didn't, there's a role there that something could happen there. Johannes S. Uh, I like that call. Uh, Kenny, he is very talented, very good scheme. If something, you know, Dalvin gets hurt, like could be very intriguing. That's an awesome name to toss out there that nobody's talking about. And if he did supplant Madison as the handcuff, like you, again, you know, Cook's probably going to miss time. He's missed at least two games in every year. And this scheme is extremely valuable. I love that toss out, Johannes. You know, your stuff. Good, good toss out for sure uh, to bring on there. All righty. Wolf, what do you think of my receivers for late season? Start two. Diggs, Adams, I mean, goddamn. Uh, I mean, you're starting Diggs and Adams. There's no question about that. When Hopkins comes back, he's probably locked in. I don't know what Fuller's going to do. Uh, he's not on a team yet. If he's on with the Cowboys, you got yourself another beast for five games, and then he's back, you know, gone <laughs> until he gets hurt. But I, I'd have a hard time not playing Diggs, Adams, and Ayuk in a PPR league, and certainly Hopkins when he comes back. It would – Certainly depend on what your running backs look like too. But yeah, I mean, those are some nice receivers. Fuller being very speculative. I love jo jo uh, Josh Palmer. Definitely a top 20 guy, potentially, if something happens to either of the guys in front of him. Love it. Uh, smashing. Ramondre Stevenson in PPR. It's a, the hype train's real in this sense. Talent-wise, unreal. Like, I, I was at the Browns game when he rumbled for like 50 fantasy points. He's a beast. I love the way he plays. I'm a Pats fan. Nothing against the player. I do think the receiving role, I, I, I've tweeted about it. I, if he gets that role, he's going to be a top, you know, three-round pick should he actually have that role. But you saw Montgomery's involvement, and they love him in camp too. And I just think the receiving role is probably going to go to Montgomery. And now you're dealing with, like, unless something happens to Harris, is Ramondre really going to pay off? the? Now he's jumping in, like, round eight. I don't know. I kind of like Damian Pierce there as, like, a potential featured three-down back rather than a guy that's maybe in a three-headed committee. If he gets the James White role, though, like if that's clearly established, then we then we reevaluate. But right now, I guess as a passing, I'm just a little skeptical always of these running backs. Dude is so good. I mean, he is, yeah. There's no doubt about that. Cole Komet, so definitely you know, the number two target there, uh, for sure. Uh, I'm there. MLRBs. Oh, so he's talking about like who you would start there. I like that. You guys answer each other's questions. Good stuff. 
So, yeah, I mean, you're definitely starting four receivers in this case. <laughs> if those are your running backs, like until injury strikes, what you had a couple guys there, though, you know, between Mondre and maybe CEH finally pans out. I'm not going on him this year. He's burned me too many times, but between Mondre and, and Hunt and CEH, you'll probably have at least two guys, but I like your receivers. Josh Allen, damn, good stuff. Love the transition, right? <laughs> really up with the production quality. I'm going to say it every time we do it. Fitz is the absolute man, G. Giles. I 100% agree at Fitz FF. Fitz on uh, Fancy Podcast, so damn good too. So check that out. My man, Jeremiah, always good to see a regular showing up and popping in. I appreciate your kind words. Wolfpack, awesome questions. Great combo throughout. Really appreciate you coming in on a random Tuesday at 11. This is the season, baby. This is the season. Uh, so just a reminder, I will be live at uh, 2 p.m. 2 p.m. for a draft. Uh, hitting uh, with with my man Pete Overzet talking some best ball, best practices. I uh, should be fun. Thank you, ML. Uh, hit that like button indeed on your way out. If you haven't already, that thumbs up does help us continue to grow. Late rounds, more or dub standard? I go more just because as exciting as dubs is, Rogers wants whatever he wants, he gets, and he doesn't like the rookies. So I'm there. Um, so yeah, I, I, I prefer more just because I know we'll be on the field. If like dubs is starting, Come week one, then we, we flip because he has the, the clear talent, you know, target path and clear quarterback upgrade at that point. So I guess it shouldn't be clear. Kyler is a good player too, but I, I go more. Standard's tricky though, too, because I don't know, maybe Dubs is going to score more touchdowns. I, I'm thinking about more and how many quick little choop, choop, choop he catches, but he's not a touchdown guy at 5'9. So I guess you just go Dubs because you're probably not starting either right away. And that gives you the upside to feel it out. I know that I'm going all over the place with that one, Shades. Um, thanks again, ML. My man Barrett, good to see you, Jackson. Uh, <laughs> Jackson, you and you won't need any sleepers it, until he gets hurt in week two and you have nobody left. Then you need Dante Foreman or Chuba, uh, who both will suck in the role anyways. And then you're screwed and you really need these sleepers, Jackson. <laughs> if he plays, if, if again, CMC, we know the deal. If he plays 15, 16 games, you probably win your league. He's going to be the best player in fantasy. The fact that he's just punched me square in the jaw two years in a row, I can't go back. Unless it's like at pick five, but I'm not going him in top two. I'm certainly not going him over Jonathan Taylor, where a lot of people are. Yeah, I get it, but nope, not for me. <laughs> you'll definitely need sleepers if you draft CMC because he's going to be hurt in week three, and you'll need to fill it in somewhere. All righty, we'll back. Come on back at two p.m. if you got you know at work and you want a way to fill the day, or you're just addicted to fantasy like me and want want to see a draft. I'll be drafting with one of the best best ballers out there in Pete Overs at two p.m. today. Thank you once again to Pat. Fitz Morris, Fantasy Pros, always. You guys are, are no Fantasy Pros. You don't need to pump them. But if you want another site for rankings, roasterjournal.com slash bigboardmyrankings, roasterjournal.com, all our great content, trade value charts, stock watches on everybody, um, you know, every relevant player, preseason wrap-ups, all the good stuff. And tomorrow, me and Truth, lunchtime, going live with an auction show. We haven't done our auction show yet this year. Cannot wait to look at the best auction values, roster constructions, some great stuff coming tomorrow as well. So Wolfpack, be here for that. Will be great. Jeremiah, I can't pass up your question. What do you got? Tenth pick, probably gonna smash mix and swift. I I'm not a big swift guy. Um, and you know, Adams somewhat tempts me. We just talked about those college stats earlier with Fitz. If you saw him, 23 touchdowns with, with Carr. Um, I love Mix in there. I don't I prefer other running backs. I like Kamara more than Swift. I like Saquon even. Um, I'm just not a Swift guy. Feels like a little committee guy that just probably won't get his due. I don't care that they're hyping him up on hard knocks. Like he just seems a little soft to me. I prefer going running back, running back because I think the receivers that fall through 
three through six are un- unbeatable. I don't think the drop offs that big. So as you've probably heard, Sh- Shades, I am not fading Kamara. I'm all in. Um, I have him at 13 overall. Probably not going to get suspended. Should probably be going top six overall. So I, I've been hammering him in mid round two. There's a time he's going to win round three. Like, give me Kamara all day. All right, well, Peck, I got to cut it because I got to get ready for the 2 p.m. stream. But thank you again so much for being here. Thumbs up on your way out. Catch me at 2 p.m. for a draft today. Uh, 12 tomorrow for an auction show will be great as well. Thank you guys again so much for being here. Great questions as always. In a world full of fancy sheep, be the wolf. We'll see you guys soon. Find me at River Street Wolf if you have any other questions. Draft guide coming up soon too, baby. It's all done. We're just trying to get it up on the site. So can't wait for you guys to see it. I'm, it's, I'm so proud. Alrighty, see you guys. <laughs> see you too.